0: It's Monday the 16th of August 2021. My name's Alex Elliot, and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened, and why we should care. My guest this week is Jodi Cortes Espasa, one of the dedicated counsellors from the New in Iceland service. Welcome to you.
1: Thank you very much, Alex. D- did
0: I pronounce your name right? You did. Excellent. Yeah, fantastic. Um, the steep, steep rise in COVID diagnoses has peaked, it seems, hopefully about one week ago. And the infection rate now is roughly what it was two weeks ago, um, with the lowest infections recorded yesterday since late July. However, with schools returning from their summer break, we're still far from clear of it. And 30 people are in hospital, six of whom are intensive care. Domestic restrictions due to expire last Friday are still in place for another two weeks and new border rules have come into force today, including pre- and post-travel testing for arriving passengers with links to Iceland or their home address here. It's officially election season, as the 25th of September Althingi election has been formalised and early voting has already begun. In police news, a woman was seemingly deliberately pushed down steps at a Reykjavik bar this weekend and police are looking for one male suspect. And also a seven-year-old girl was knocked off her bike and broke her arm, but the driver did not stop. A resurgence of activity at the Fagradalsfjall volcano and new fissures thought to have opened up over the past two weeks – have made for intermittently spectacular viewing, and have also prompted scientists to set up extra GPS type sorry, extra GPS and temperature reading devices on Gonhot, which was the former viewpoint, now cut off by the lava. And most bus stops in the capital region are receiving new names amid a push to make them simpler and more up-to-date. Now, um, I had your boss uh, Joanna on the show a few months ago, and she explained the New in Iceland service and mm-hmm. why it might be important to our listeners. Um, but it is such a potentially important and, and and useful service that I'd like maybe to start the show with you explaining that again, mm-hmm. if you'd be sure. so kind.
1: Yes. So we, uh, Joanna and I, both wor- for work work for um, New in Iceland, which is an information centre um, as part of the Ministry of Social Affairs, and we actually serve the whole country. We might be based in Reykjavík, but we actually help everyone across um, Iceland. And we earn information service. We aim to um, answer questions regarding public institutions in Iceland and public services in Iceland. So that's mainly our, our goal. And we take um, walks in. So people can just come and see us in person. They can talk to us um, by a phone, by our email. We have also a live chat open. Um, Online. Online, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I would say that we have a, a wide range of ways of communicating with with people here in Iceland. It's mainly for um, people for um, from foreign origins.
0: I mean, the name new in Iceland kind of suggests mm-hmm. that you have to have just moved here to use the service. Is mm-hmm. that true, or can anyone use it?
1: Um, we, may, we focus on those who are already in the country. And, and those who are already in the country as in residents or applying for a residence permit or those who just um, arrived in the country and they got their international protection, um, or those who are in the process of getting international protection. Mm -hmm. We do also answer uh, inquiries from people from outside Iceland that would like to come to Iceland to live here, to work, um, or simply to travel as a tourist. So we, you know, of course, our main focus group is those who are already in the country, but we do also try and help those who would like to come to Iceland.
0: And if there's someone who's perhaps lived here for five years already, mm-hmm. are they welcome to get in touch as well?
1: Yeah, of course. Like everyone, we would we would never say no to a question from a person. You know, we will try to um, either answer it or direct the person to the right institution mm-hmm. or organisation. But yeah, it's, you know, mainly is for those who... For some reason, do not have um, much experience or do not have much much knowledge of the Icelandic public system. You know, as as for example, um, an Icelandic person, an Icelandic, a born Islander would have. You know, by living in the country for X amount of years.
0: Sure, uh, it's still quite a new service. Mm-hmm. Um, how's it going? Is it settling in?
1: It's going well. Yeah. Um, we started at the beginning of this year, and. I was, we were, Joanna was running some numbers the other day and she said that it's been over 1,300 inquiries so far um, between people coming in and sending emails or, you know, talking, speaking to us on the phone. So it's quite, I would say it's quite impressive, you know, to have, it's just a small team. We are just four people and Joanna, four counselors and, and her as a project manager. So I think, you know, 1,300 inquiries for four people over the period of, what, six months is, mm. is pretty good. Mm, definitely.
0: And what, do you have any inkling into what people were doing before you were there? <laughs> like, Were they just not getting these answers?
1: Um, so the uh, Red Cross in, uh, in Reykjavik had a specific service that used to be called Open House. Mm. And it used to be, it was pretty much what New Nice and is doing it now, perhaps I'm not I'm, you know, I'm not correct by saying this, but um open house was a bit more of a practical assistance project. So it was a very hands on project where um people could come and actually get um like um, it, it was it was a it was a more a practical based project rather than an information service. Of course they could get information but it was more about doing things on the spot for people who had something going on. Sure. So, you know, that's the main difference between New Iceland, and perhaps the open house before. Um, but I think it's also about, you know, giving the responsibility to each public institution, you know, or giving them the chance to do the job that they meant to be doing as, you know, as that public institution. And mm. I think that's, you know, that's somehow that's what we try to do from New Iceland. OK,
0: Okay. Um, let's move on to the news now. But just quickly, what's the website address?
1: Uh, newness and .is. simple as that. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> good. Um yeah, where would you like to start on the on the news?
1: Um I think we could maybe start with, you know, the COVID yeah. uh, cases. Yeah. That's a good starting point.
0: It's been pretty worrying for mm-hmm. these past few weeks, probably mm-hmm. a month or more.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um but it seems now to be going in the right direction. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh. Um Yes, I think that's. I mean, for the past two weeks you, you were logging in online and seeing all those news with over 100 uh, infections per day. And it was it was getting quite overwhelming, especially because not just the fear of, you know, where do I go, you know, who do I hang out with, but also about, you know, like overcrowding in hospitals and mm-hmm. also the, for example, the quarantine hotels that were open in Reykjavik. Um, so getting these new numbers and seeing how the curve is going down is just, you know, of course, of course there is good news and something to, you know, monitor and hopefully look forward to decreasing even more. Mm. Um, I just, uh, I like to think positively always. And I think that, you know, people, by people having the vaccine, um, the situation can only improve and, you know, we can can only um, help the uh, health system to recover and and take steps towards a better situation. So hopefully that will be...
0: I'd be interested to know exactly how close we came to Mm -hmm. this emergency situation that they were talking about, Mm -hmm. because the hospital was pretty open, Mm -hmm. or or at least putting pressure on the authorities saying, you know, this is Mm -hmm. we can't carry on like this. Mm -hmm. And now we've got 30 people in hospital, and that's quite high um, by the standards of this pandemic. Mm -hmm. It probably turned around right at the moment Right at the right moment, didn't mm-hmm. it?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, as you said, um, it's quite scary, right, to mm. to think about being at that tipping point, and you know what what you know what would have taken for the system to be to crash down, you know, mm. like the hospital to crash down, or at least for us to go back into lockdown. Or, mm-hmm, yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's just. I mean, I'm glad that we don't have to. You know, we don't have to witness um, that, at least for now. Um, and hopefully we don't, you know, we don't have to. And hopefully somehow, the authorities and and the professionals take the right um, adjustments, adjustments, and and measurements, and they just fix it.
0: Mm. Interestingly, among these statistics, has been a, there was a group of thirty Israeli tourists uh, who all tested positive for COVID, um, mm-hmm. and that's interesting because it's the second time that's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them's a little bit quite sick, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's interesting. This is just breaking now. This story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um,
1: is is this one of the uh, those? Because I remember reading that there were these um, airline from Israel that was bringing tourists, at least for the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, two airlines actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, yes, yeah, it actually says several of the group were taken to hospital when their condition worsened. Mm-hmm. So yeah, serious. Um, but yeah, so this just proves that the situation isn't over, and mm-hmm. that the border is still a, a weak point. Um, what mm-hmm. do you make of this new rule that people who have contact—sorry, who have close ties to Iceland—have mm-hmm. to now test after arrival as well as before travel, but others don't?
1: Uh, to be honest, I, I would say that everyone should test at the border in in Iceland. It used to be like that before. And I think it's somehow it works, um, and it's just quite dangerous that some people have to and some people do not have to. Um, you know what this to me, I might be wrong, of course. You know, I am not trained and or academically trained in in, in you know, um, in health issues like this, for example. But I'm just thinking. You know, it doesn't make any sense that you just select who who does test and who doesn't, you know, because both potentially both both, you know, all the groups can be potentially infected. Mm. Um, so I think it's quite I think it's quite dangerous. Um, and I was also reading earlier this morning that you have to take a test within 48 hours And you might not require to quarantine within those 48 hours, which I think is a little bit problematic because, you know, if they are assuming that you need to get tested because you might be infected, then potentially you're putting people at risk by not quarantining during those 48 hours. Yeah. I feel like
0: maybe at this stage in the pandemic, all of these little changes they're making, they're all tweaks. mm -hmm. They're all little little things to make a little difference here and there Mm -hmm. that might, change the picture overall because you're okay. absolutely right mm-hmm. but if people are being tested within two days then mm-hmm. they're infecting other people for two days mm-hmm. instead of seven days mm-hmm. which will hopefully bring the numbers down mm-hmm. because this is something we're going to have to live with now mm-hmm. and and, and mm-hmm. we can't just have this accordion effect of going from complete lockdown to completely open mm-hmm. and then back again because mm-hmm. that's not good for anyone's mental health.
1: Mm-hmm. You are you are absolutely right. Um, and I think that we have, you know, if there's something that is happening is that we are able to learn many things about the pandemic and, you know, how authorities are responding and what works and what doesn't. Um, so I think that even though there's that, you know, normality or like back to normality within um, our society, there's, there still should be, you know, it's still... Not very, you know, like not like super extreme per se, but you still, you know, we still have to care about what measures, you know, we take, we, we implement and we take her off because, as you said, we have to live with this, mm. and we just have to like make sure that we comply with certain minimum, you know, rules to not see the cases rise again.
0: I suppose that's the lesson we learned when, when all the rules were just dropped at the same moment and it mm-hmm. didn't didn't last that long, did it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, anything else to add on that? How, maybe how is how is this fourth wave of infection affecting your job? At um, all, if it is.
1: Um, it is, you know, it is affecting because um, we tend to, to get a lot of people coming into our office, you know, so it's just about whenever we see, whenever we hear, whenever we read about the increasing cases, you know, we go back, we put we put those walls back in a sense, you know, mm. where people have to carry a mask with them when they come and see us, where we keep that, you know, like two meter distance, where we sanitize and we clean all the surfaces after we have seen a person. So I think those are the things that, you know, we can do from, you know, our little world that we can do, those steps we can take in order to avoid any kind of, you know... Or prevent, not avoid, but prevent any kind of infection. You know, so yeah. those are the things that those are the tools that we have learned that we have mm. and that we can take to make things.
0: But work. as well as that. Is it increasing your workload? Are, are more people having getting in touch more about this?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So we. They, we initially didn't start, perhaps, with a COVID service, but eventually we ended up being in close contact with um, a specific department, and we have been answering questions regarding COVID, um, because many people found it difficult to find information not in Icelandic mm. um, about about COVID and restrictions. So we have, we definitely have had um, a higher workload because of all these questions.
0: Okay, um, moving on. Maybe to another topic that Mm -hmm. possibly affects your job as well. Mm -hmm. um, Politics and the election, Mm -hmm. Um, because that's coming up now. It's barely a month away, a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, Althinky has been officially dissolved. The election is happening and people are voting already. Mm -hmm. This is exciting if you're into politics. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I am into politics. Um, I don't normally speak about politics because I have very strong um, ideas. And, you know, some people do not like them. Um, but I think it's great. Um, of course, um, voting is super important, and everyone should have um, the opportunity to do it. And I, of course, everyone should be encouraged to do it, even though they don't want to do it. Um, so I think that being—I was reading as well about uh, people being in quarantine and people being um, in isolation—that they they will have the chance to do it. I think this is great. I think that and and, and the fact that they have they're going to figure out a way to do it safely. Mm. Um, it's just, you know. Well, it, that's
0: a really interesting point because, sure, if you're in isolation with COVID, you're not allowed out of the house. Mm-hmm. That's fair enough. And maybe people might think, well, fair enough if a few people can't vote. But at the mm-hmm. same time, it's their, it's their legal right to do so.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's and, also and very true.
0: So if anyone, if it went to court, for example, mm-hmm. I don't know where that could end. If people mm-hmm. were prevented from voting because of COVID, mm-hmm. maybe the whole election could be cancelled. Mm mm-hmm potentially, mm-hmm. from a legal standpoint. Exactly. So it's important.
1: It's, I mean, yeah, I, I don't see how it wouldn't be made possible because you have so many different ways of doing, like voting safely these days. You know, you can vote by mail. Perhaps there's a system, online system, where you can do it safely through, like, authentication with mm-hmm. your personal information. But
0: neither of those are in Iceland.
1: Mm-hmm. So okay.
0: You have to do it in person.
1: Um, then, you know, it's just, I think it, it's, about, it's about adapting, you know, if... If this is a right that you have, as you you were saying, this is something that they cannot take away from you, then they have to create a way for you to deliver that vote safely. Yeah.
0: Um, And anyone, obviously this early voting system is mostly for people that are going to be out of the country or unable to Mm -hmm. vote in person for whatever reason on Mm -hmm. the 25th of September. Mm -hmm. But it's open to everyone. And and a lot of people have been taking advantage of it already. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, which is interesting. it's more popular now than in previous elections
1: mm-hmm. um yeah perhaps there's there is um a desire you know for their voices to be heard or there's you know there's a there's a growing um yeah exactly desire to for change perhaps you know there's 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 that sort of um wanting from people and from society to you know to make to make it happen to make to take their vote and and actually um, have a say on what's going to happen on mm-hmm. the
0: 25th. Traditionally, Iceland's got quite an active sort of political scene. People are really mm-hmm. invested. The voter turnout is high. Mm-hmm. People dress up to go to the polling stations, mm-hmm. which is, is lovely. Um, and I'm wondering, I mean, this certainly will not damage voter participation, quite the opposite, but it might potentially dilute the campaigns a little bit if mm-hmm. so many people have already voted. Mm-hmm. Then they're less engaged, perhaps, mm-hmm. with the campaign. Mm-hmm. And it might reduce the sort of sense of festival, sense of occasion on polling day. Mm-hmm. Not that either of those necessarily matter, mm-hmm. it's just possible effects.
1: Um, you, are, you, you are completely right, and I'm just looking. I'm trying to. I was trying to think. Okay, what's the positive? You know, what's the positive side of this? And I think that when it comes to um, politics and when it comes to elections, there are so many things that are put into place. So many measures or so many projects that are put into place towards the end of you know of voting or you know towards to, towards that election day. Um, and I think that. In this case, if people are voting before, mm-hmm. you know, the campaign has started, then this sends a, a message to politicians and parties. You know, don't wait, don't wait up until the last minute to implement something that's going to benefit a specific part of your electorate. Do it. You know, take your time. Mm-hmm. You know, during your your um, time time in power, to implement those measures, so you can actually, you know, gather those voters and you know, because. Many of these things happen, you know. You you take you take that um, election campaign to advertise specific things and then gather more votes. This and
0: rush of last minute promises. Exa- yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. You
1: know. So if people are voting earlier, they will be perhaps based on what what has a specific politician or what has a specific party done in the course, you know, of the previous years yeah. to make you know to make that decision on their vote rather than thinking, OK, what's going to happen during the election campaign? And then I'm going to make a decision based on that.
0: Are you guys getting any inquiries, questions about the election yet? I mean, for, for example, who's eligible to, eligible to vote, mm-hmm. et cetera?
1: We, yes, I wouldn't say we get, you know, that many because precisely because of that, our main and um, perhaps like target group are people who are are residents or legal residents in Iceland but perhaps do not have a citizenship yet. So per se they, they cannot vote. Um but yeah we have gotten yeah, I would say we have perhaps not as many as we were expecting, but as I said, you know, the uh, the immigrant population I would say is quite young in Iceland as well. Mm. And they just they just might be that they don't have that citizenship yet but they are working towards it. So I would say perhaps you know, in the in the years coming, there will be a higher volume of people um, from immigrant um, backgrounds, you know, to be, you know, be, being, being able to vote, to being able to participate as well.
0: What would you say the election means? What is, is its significance to those of us who can't vote, who aren't citizens here, but mm-hmm. live here? I mean, because politics affects everybody. Mm-hmm. How they can we get definitely. involved? What should we be, you know,
1: Mhm. I think that there is a part of, you know, the immigrant society that is left outside and they think that they don't have, they don't even, you know, some people are just not interested because they feel that they are not being listened to or because the information does not reach them, you know. So I think, first of all, you need to be able to access that information, to, you know, to know what is being said, enable mm-hmm. to make an informed decision and in, in order to be able to be involved in that, you know, process of of voting.
0: Um, But would you say there's any incentive for political parties to accommodate us if we're not voting?
1: uh, No, absolutely not. And you're right, you know. And and that's the thing, you know, it's almost like the silence group of people in Iceland, you know, because um, some of them or most majority of them cannot vote. There's not an interest, you know, perhaps for political parties to represent them or to include them, you know, within... Um, the election process, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is, you know, is a little bit sad because at the end of the day, people here um, that have a legal residency, they also contributing to society, they pay their taxes, um, they open up businesses, um, they enrich the country with culture, with language. And it's just, I think, ignoring that part of the population is just, it's only going to make the gap between, you know, the gap in society wider that That's my opinion, mm-hmm.
0: and obviously, politics affects again your job. I mean, mm-hmm. this was a a new branch of one of the ministries, the welfare ministry, right? Mm-hmm. It was set the, up yeah, social affairs, social affairs mm-hmm. um set up, I believe, with covid funding mm-hmm. um, so this is all very relevant do you, i mean how do you see the future the service will continue mm-hmm. blah blah blah
1: i there is definitely um a need for a service like new in iceland mm-hmm. and we have seen it through the amount of people that have you know reached to us and asked for our assistance and of course when you think about the numbers of foreigners in iceland is at 15% of the population now but it's only going to keep growing because at the same time the icelandic economy relies on tourism a lot. So it's it's a service that's got always going to be, there's always going to be a need for it. I think it's just a matter of who takes care of these questions, who takes care of these inquiries and these people. Is it going to be the Ministry of Social Affairs through New Iceland, or is it going to be another public institution doing it or um, a non-profit organisation taking care of, of people from Foreign Affairs? But definitely there's always going to be a need for a service like this.
0: And presumably if the current government parties continue mm-hmm. if they keep their majority, then things will continue as before. Mm-hmm. Is there any like big signs of change on the horizon if any different parties get in power, do you think?
1: Um it, I mean, of course there, there might be a possibility for that to happen, you know, when when an ideology, you know, changes, people, you know, those who are in specific positions within, you know, the ministries tend tend to change as well. Um, but I think that Regardless of the ideology, I mean, we don't take any sides in what we do. We just, we have a very clear goal, which is providing information and assistance to people that are in need of this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think regardless of the ideology that takes control of the ministry after the 25th of September, they should just consider this as a necessary service for, you know, for the common good for everyone.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, anything else to add on on that?
1: Um, I don't think so. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. We've got just a couple of minutes left. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we could talk about bus stops. Okay. Um, the reason being that about 500 or more bus stops are changing name at the moment. So it's it's a small story, but potentially quite significant. People, mm-hmm. especially in the immigrant community, mm-hmm. it has to be said, a lot of the time don't have cars and they're using the buses. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these bus stop names have been there for decades mm-hmm. and and don't represent what's actually around them anymore. And some of them are quite long and complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I believe the campaign, the, the move or whatever you want to call it, is to um, simplify them and update them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, yeah, this is something I hadn't heard of. Apparently this was talked about a month or two ago. Completely went by me. But now they're <laughs> actually doing it. There's people out on the streets unscrewing signs and putting new ones in. So I hope people don't start missing their stops.
1: Um I, You know, I guess there will be a little bit of disruption at the beginning, like with, you know, all the changes. Um, but I think it's quite nice. It's quite nice that they have taken in consideration, you know, this, that some of those names might be outdated or do not make sense in the current context. And they, like, they also want to simplify the names to make it easier for, you know, people to read and to remember even those bus stops, you know, if you're actually taking the same bus routes regularly. Yeah. Um, and it's also a good way to sort of... You know, just put that in the media and you know, and, and revive the importance of taking public transport, um to re- you know, reduce emissions and and just be a bit more green, you know. I think is I think is I think it's great. I think this is this is something fun.
0: Yeah, and it's something like you say, that gets the public transport into the into the media mm-hmm. and maybe maybe one or two people will go, Oh, I might take the bus tomorrow mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. as a result of it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, some examples are The bus stop called Saibreit Vittastigus is now going to be called Solfar, Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
0: after the statue that it's right by. Okay. very popular tourist attraction, so that's helpful. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Although in Icelandic, so they might want to add Sun Voyager as well. I don't Mm -hmm. know if tourists are trying to find it. (laughs) Um, and I would assume that the that one of the stops right near to Ruv, which is called Borgospitalin, mm-hmm. will probably change because the hospital hasn't been called Borgospitalin for years. Exactly. Um mm-hmm. so it's yeah. Interesting point. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um I don't know what else to add on that, really. It's just, it's an interesting little story. And I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing, to going around, because mm-hmm. it, apparently it is the large majority of them that are changing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to be looking out for them.
1: It's definitely going to be interesting to, you know, and to be able to compare, you know, how it was before and what are what, what the new changes.
0: Yeah. And if they will be easier to remember. Uh, Because (laughs) I don't have the greatest memory in the world. Mm -hmm, Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. (laughs) So that's kind of a... a, Oh, and another similar message, um, Mm -hmm. because this is about change in Reykjavik and possible things that might affect people's daily life. Another thing that might affect people's daily life is that from three o'clock tomorrow morning until four o'clock tomorrow afternoon, there's not going to be any hot water in Vestapar. Yes. um, Which is going to be great.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, it's good that we keep reminding people about this because we take for granted, you know, these kind of things. Um, But yeah, definitely just take a shower earlier, you know. or
0: Before three in the morning. Exactly. (laughs) Indeed. But yeah, do bear that in mind. Uh, They're connecting the new Lanspitali site to the Hot Water Network and therefore Mm -hmm. have to disconnect Mm -hmm. you guys. Uh, It's actually like two streets down from where I live. It Mm -hmm. begins. So I'm I'm not going to say, use the word schadenfreude, but <laughs> anyway, um, time has flown yet again and we are out of it, I'm afraid. Um, the Week in Iceland will be back next Monday, the 23rd of August on RUV.is forward slash English, RUV English on Facebook, through the RUV app and your favourite podcast platform. Um, that just leaves me to thank my guest today, Jordi Cortes-Espaza. Thank you very
1: much. Thank you very much, Alex. It was a pleasure.
0: Uh, We finished today's programme with a song called Polaris, the first single from an upcoming solo album by the Icelandic musician Damon Albarn. Bye for now.
1: If you get blown off course
0: and filling in the parts of your life that have disappeared Medicating Quick step reflections
1: in the dark